This week's episode is brought to you by the Talkbuster podcast. Every episode, Chris Chipman and a guest reminisce of their time working for Blockbuster. Now, even if you've never worked for a Blockbuster, I guarantee you'll find the stories both hilarious and relatable. One of my personal favorite stories was when he had a guest retelling his time of working at a porn shop the day before Christmas when they were just packed to the gills. So, listen to the Talkbuster podcast on all your favorite platforms today. Greetings, true believers, and welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this, the darkest timeline. I'm Axel Wright, and with me as always is... Lord Commander Ulrich. How are you doing today, Lord Commander Ulrich? I'm a little bit sad, because now I'm reminded we don't have Stan Lee. Oh, I was going for something in his honor, so... Well, it's kind of funny, because uh, when we very, 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 very first started this podcast we played around with doing different sign outs from movies and we killed that idea almost immediately yeah i like but the, I, the standard that we have now and i I, mean, I admit that i just kind of wrecked it with how with doing that but i feel like considering the topic today was appropriate yeah no i just thought that it was a flashback like i remember when we thought that was a good idea and then we quickly killed it and then we brought it back for a one-time appearance so before we get into said topic, we have to do our patron sound off. These are the people who are generous and awesome enough to actually pay us to do what we're doing right now. I will never necessarily get over how awesome that is. And I don't know how to convey this to you other than just rambling through this improv that is all honest. Anyway, so these are the people's names because this is the least we can do for them. They are Pam Galley, Marquis, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, Arthur Crane, Kevin Vay, Brennan Agnew, John Vittles, Kit Kenny, and Solomansky. And if you would like to join that list uh, of, of my starstruckness, so that we'll say your name as well, just head on over to our Patreon at Geeks with Shields. A dollar a month gets you at minimum 25 cents an episode, which we tend to put out like four things a month. We tend to do more, but at least four. And, uh, you know, it goes a long way towards helping us with the podcast. Anyway, Ulrich, tell us what we're talking about today. All right, well, this is going to be topical because this character is never not in the news or somewhere. We're going to talk about the popularity of Spider-Man. And uh, I've, if you, for some reason, are listening to this and you're not like a regular listener or haven't looked at our backlog, which is fine. As someone who listens to podcasts myself, going through a long-standing podcast backlog is not an easy thing. And we've been doing this for over three years. So, point is, Spider-Man is my favorite superhero. Period. I've said it many times on this podcast, and I've always loved Spider-Man. It is actually why my most hated movie is The Amazing Spider-Man, because uh, I expect better. It's also why one of my favorite movies is Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. But I also, I don't really read comics, but I read Spider-Man comics growing up. It was the exception to the rule. So, yeah, I love (laughs) Spider-Man. And I'm kind of ambivalent towards him. Like, I grew up in the 90s when Spider-Man and X-Men were the two big pillars of Marvel. Watch the TV shows. I enjoy the TV shows. Watch the movies. Enjoy the movies. But I never really got behind Spider-Man. It was never. And it's, I, it's, I mean, we're, if right, you're just so. keeping up with the news, Spider-Man has kind of reached Batman levels of popularity of we're going to put him in everything and it's going to make all the money. Yeah, but I like that, whereas I don't like it with Batman, so... <laughs> well, Spider-Man isn't a played-out character yet. He may not be being used 100% correctly, but I'm not tired of seeing him. So, in order to prevent this from turning into just me raving, 
necessarily, or you confused. Why don't we frame this as a, let's give you the microphone first, and you can phrase it or pose it as a question or a comment, and then aim it to me for an explanation. Since I'm the one who's like, I'm gaga for Spider-Man and you're ambivalent, let's have you pose the questions and our hypothesis and me expand on them. I just kind of want to know what it is that you really like about Spider-Man. I mean, because everyone's going to have a different answer. And if you are a fan of Spider-Man, leave us a comment down below because I really am curious. I want to know what you like about Spider-Man and why you think he has this enduring popularity. Because, I mean, we've had other characters rise and fall in popularity, but Spider-Man has continued pretty much on top since his inception. There's a litany of avenues to answer the question you just posed. It's such a broad, open question. Let's touch on a few of them, and these are not by any means all of them. First of all, why Spider-Man became popular in the first place, I think, besides being a actually very well-written character, he was the first, if I'm... I'm not saying I know this definitively, but he was definitely the first popular teenage superhero. Before his existence, all teenagers and kids in the superhero medium or the comic medium in general were mitigated to sidekick duty. That's not the same thing against someone like Robin, who I actually find uh, Robin as a character fascinating. But Spider-Man was the first time that readers who were predominantly youth, uh, you know, we're talking like 10 to 15 probably, saw someone who was more directly like them as the protagonist in a superhero story. And that effect cannot be overstated the ability to see yourself in the thing that you are reading or watching or engaging with is paramount is why representation matters anyway so right there on top of all that big reason why spider-man became big and i even say that that's a big reason why i specifically got into spider-man because more than most superheroes he felt like me i had a thing growing up where i tend to like like intellectual and geeky characters. Like I saw myself as Double D from Ed and Nettie or Simon from Alvin the Chipmunks. These are the characters I identify with. And most superheroes are not that. Like you look at the the big, the, the two superhero, uh, Western superheroes more popular than Spider-Man, uh, you know, commercially, Batman and Superman. And they are, for lack of a better term, manly men. And, you know, big buff guys who are stoic and always in control and like they're almost like perfect paragons what they represent even in marvel which generally has characters that are more flawed a lot of the heroes still fall under something similar to this category captain america is basically just superman but in soldier form uh, thor is literally this like god figure and tony stark is your drunk dad with tools but amped up to <laughs> the extreme so Spider-Man was a nerdy kid, a nerdy kid who by accident was just struck with amazing power, who fucked up with it, showing you that it's okay to make mistakes as long as you learn from them, and then proceeded to become, like, a superhero, a superhero who recognized that being a superhero was more important than, you know, like, personal gain or anything like that. So he's teaching you great lessons, you recognize yourself in him, especially I did, and he becomes... He becomes a beacon for what you feel you can and should be. And that is a powerful narcotic for for a young boy. Just just saying. So that's like those are just some of the base reasons. There's actually there's a lot more going on. Like 
Uh, the fact that Spider-Man has one of the best rogues galley of anyone. It's probably not quite Batman's rogue galley level, which even though I'm not a big fan of Batman, his villains are the best. But Spider-Man's rogues galley all has this great thing going on where a vast majority of them were just good people who were also scientists who then proceeded to make a mistake or discover some tech that then they proceed to they proceed to corrupt them or something along is basically a counter to what Spider-Man himself is always showing you that there are these other sides to the conversation and anyway before i get off because i can tangent all day let's just let's just stop that there and see your response to what i just said <laughs> no i think you are 100 percent right i mean stan lee talked about that length when he created spider-man that he wanted to fill that role and i was gonna say rogues gallery does help a lot with popularity of the character and spider-man it is a toss-up between him and batman but I think I like Spider-Man's a bit more because they're more sci-fi-y, if that makes any sense. Well, Batman's villains are mostly noir-y. I mean, most of them don't have powers, just like he doesn't have powers. But And that's actually important because a lot of time you're, the best villains are reflections on the hero in some way. And so Spider-Man's villains work in that regard very well. But since he's essentially a sci-fi hero, he's a science nerd who got his powers from science, a science accident, it makes sense that his villains tend to be the same thing. Science nerds who their powers from from science. <laughs> Except Mysterio. He's just a dick. But still, same deal. Mysterio uses technology and science and psychology to commit his crimes, which actually makes Mysterio... I love Mysterio for a lot of reasons. So. Mysterio's awesome, but he's a dick. Yeah. He's a dick, but it doesn't make him not cool. Craven the Hunter's a dick, and he's still cool. So Craven is... Oh, I I really hope we get Craven in live action because that's okay. We're getting off topic. For the record, my favorite Spider-Man villain is probably. I mean, I love the Scorpion. I feel like Scorpion's actually mm -hmm. uh, not nearly as well. Like, like he doesn't get enough attention. I feel like obviously the Goblin, and obviously Sandman for all those all the obvious reasons. So yeah, let's just go. But I will say, I think Venom. There's a thing about Venom that's really interesting to me, which is that I know there's a lot of older fans who don't actually like Venom that much. And I feel like Venom is the most potentially interesting, but he gets misused a lot. Like his original stories were my favorite Spider-Man stories. But then basically when he separated from Eddie Brock, I lost a lot of interest in him until he combined with Flash Thompson. Then those stories became yeah, Agent, Agent Venom, Venom was a good run. Yeah, it's very Agent good. Agent Venom is fucking awesome. We're going to yeah. do an episode on Spider-Man villains. I'm going to put that one down for later because there's we we got to have a conversation about Spider-Man villains. Yeah. Anyway, so there's my little like, I, I love Venom. Probably Venom. Now that I think about it that way. <laughs> I But I, I'm also like I'm a big fan of the, the villain who has a very specific grudge against the hero as part of, of what makes the Joker so interesting and it's like i'm more interested in the joker than i am in batman partially because the joker's whole world revolves around batman it's actually why i really like lex luther as a villain too like literally the fact that lex luther's just a regular guy who's like i can hate this guy because he's basically a god and that makes humanity obsolete and i think that that's wrong makes lex luther both extremely evil and also kind of extremely understandable and i like so Venom's got something similar going on where it's like the fact that Venom's whole thing in his best stories tends to be I'm obsessed with Spider-Man because fuck that guy <laughs> makes for good drama. Yeah, no. 
Venom's awesome. Totally misused. I'm going to, I'm going to steer us back on. So let's talk about his Spider-Man's enduring popularity. Because like I said, we've had characters that have kind of risen and fallen in popularity. Superman had a big run in the nineties, but honestly, he's still popular, but I don't think he's still having the same numbers he did back in the heyday where Spider-Man again, Spider-Man, have we gone any length of time without a Spider-Man movie or TV series? Um, TV series, yes. There was a span of time where there wasn't really a TV series, but I think that was also the span of time where Sam Raimi's movies were going. So basically, Spider-Man's been a, a consistent fixture. Now, as for continued popularity, what's interesting about that is that I think the original reason for his popularity doesn't work for this because I have met tons of people that before the Tom Holland Spider-Man didn't associate Spider-Man with being a teenager. I yep. I literally, my, my ex-girlfriend and I, when we first saw uh, Civil War together... She thought that Tom Holland looked too young to be Spider-Man. And I said, what? He's supposed to be like 15. <laughs> and because to her, Spider-Man was uh, an adult because that's how she saw him from like the Sam Raimi movies and stuff. So I don't think that the whole relating to him as a, a youth applies anymore. So what else is there? Well, I think that just from a comic book perspective, uh, Spider-Man has had some of the best like week-to-week stories in comics, like just how they're written, which is funny because he doesn't have, I think, the same kind of events that a lot of other characters do. Not that he doesn't. I mean, he's, he's got plenty of great event stories. But I think the fact that Spider-Man being just above street level, essentially, uh, but also being someone who does not have his life together at all, makes for really, really good week-to-week comic writing. I feel personally like it's harder to do that with characters like Thor, Captain America, or even Superman because they have to have these like bigger, huge consequence kind of stories, whereas Spider-Man is just weak enough, quote-unquote, to get away with, well, hey, this week Electro broke out. He's robbing a bank, and and Peter Parker's rent is due, and so how is he going to deal with both these things? And... Not saying that every story like that is good, but it makes it a lot easier to pump out weekly stories with him, you know? Yeah, no, I agree in that Spider-Man really does exist in that nice medium zone that a lot of other uh, street level do. You know, the Luke Cage, the Daredevils. I'd say he's, because uh, Luke Cage is specifically, I think, in the same kind of category where Luke Cage is just above street level, whereas Daredevil is totally street level so yeah but yeah but they're in that nice museum like they can go off and have a run where they're fighting alongside the avengers and then they can come back and bust muggers in the street so you get this and that might help lead to it is you don't really get bad or not i'm not gonna say bad because i know if i say bad everyone's going to say one more day yeah so one more day is a terrible terrible spider-man story that we don't need to bring up because Again, it's just one really shitty story. Anyway. Yes, but you, you, you don't get stifled creatively uh, creatively as much. Like, you're like, okay, Spider-Man needs to do this. Spider-Man can go do this. You can hit the max and the min. Also, I think there's a lot to be said for his powers in that Spider-Man has flight without it being flight. Well, Spider-Man's powers are interesting because other than the spider sense, which is a giant MacGuffin, and uh, I kind of like that, but that's really what it is. Most of his powers function in a very easily understandable way. And again, because he's a sci- he's a sci-fi hero, they tend to like to go to not extremes, but they they make it so his power. Or the average person can wrap their mind around how Spider-Man's powers 
allow him to do certain things without it being overly complicated or overly simplified. So yeah, I think he's got a very accessible and at the same time very fantastic power set. So yeah. And here's one other thing that might be kind of an X factor for Spider-Man is the diversity of the quote-unquote spider family and characters they have spun off with the spider name. So I was going to say, because before we get into that, I was going to say the Spider-Man also has one of the best side character sets of any character yes. or of any superhero like don't get me wrong there are usually a couple for most heroes like with batman you got like bruce wayne and commissioner gordon which okay and with superman you got obviously the love interest lois lane and i jimmy olsen i guess yep jimmy olsen's uh, in there yeah but like with spider-man with aunt may and all of his girlfriends, which are all great in different ways. Like, you know, I love Mary Jane is, I have a lot of personal with Mary Jane. Anyway, I'm into redheads. <laughs> so, and, and even Gwen Stacy, who was kind of actually not a great comic book character, but they've turned her into something more interesting in later incarnations. J Jonah Jameson is, in my opinion, one of, if not the best antagonist, non villain comic book character ever period. Yep, like that's not wrong. Yeah. So the fact that I think the average person is not only aware of who Spider-Man is, but like all of his side cast, like anybody on the street knows who Mary Jane and J. Jonah Jameson and Aunt May are, whereas yeah, it really has permeated the cultural uh, zeitgeist. Like everyone knows the people that haven't picked up Spider-Man know the, you know, side characters. They know with great power comes great responsibility. Whereas I didn't know who Bucky Barnes was until Captain America. The movie came out. I just I didn't know about that character, and that you could drop that up to me not reading Captain America comics. But I just saying that I think that in my experience, the average person didn't know who Bucky Barnes was, but fucking people know yeah. Spider Man's cast. So yeah, he's really well supported, you well rounded, and again, tragic as hell backstory. Well, one they of the best keep, things they, they kept drilling into us, which I think we're never going to escape culturally. Like everyone's seen Uncle Ben die so many times, there's no escaping it. Yeah, but I, I do think it's important that, for me, a good Spider-Man story usually involves Peter causing his own problems. I mean, literally, the original story's plot, with where with great power comes great responsibility, which was the entire moral lesson of Spider-Man in his entire existence, because he wasn't made to be a week-to-week comic. He was a one-shot thing that got really popular. Uh, but that was all about him choosing not to use his powers and then the consequence being the worst possible thing that can happen to him. And most of the best Spider-Man stories involve him struggling between doing what's best for him and doing what's best, period. And mm-hmm. and that makes for such good, good writing. <laughs> Which is why, like, I didn't like Homecoming because Homecoming felt like I didn't see much of any of that homecoming was fine and fun but far from home felt like that entirely where the entire plot is essentially spider-man not wanting to take responsibility that is thrusted upon him choosing not to do that and that decision directly putting the entire world in jeopardy and then him having to suck it up and take take that responsibility and fix his own mistake that's a good spider-man story so anyway (laughs) Yeah. All right. So we're ready to talk about the multiple Spider-Man and how they've covered every possible venue of Spider-Man. That's something that's never actually appealed to me too much. 
But yes, the Spider-Verse, which was a thing before Into the Spider-Verse, although Into the Spider-Verse has done the the it probably better than any other single thing I've ever seen use the, the idea, has always been interesting. The idea that the Peter Parker we mostly know of, Peter B. Parker from Earth 616, is kind of our prime, and but he's also one that is largely shitty, as in his life is shitty. Like, yeah. He's really does. He's a he's a punching bag, unfortunately. Yeah. That's a big part of what makes him endearing, though, is that he always gets up over and over again. Uh, I love that. I love the whole turn of him being a teacher. That's always been one of my favorite things is Peter yep. Parker becoming a teacher. So, but being able to be like, all right, let's take the same basic concept and let's uh, let's play around with it, and it never feels like it breaks anything is extremely powerful miles morales i i'm so happy that he's getting a lot of attention and after into the spider-verse and the game and that like i mean, said earlier representation matters and the fact that we can have that same kind of thing i experienced with peter b parker growing up with other kinds of people who maybe couldn't relate to him the same kind of way because their backgrounds are different like the fact that you can do that with the character and it doesn't feel like it inherently breaks anything is important to me like uh, I don't know how to give a counterexample without sounding like a dick, but uh, let me just say, I never liked Amadeus Cho as the Hulk. I thought, I thought it was yeah. clunky. I thought it was clunky and it didn't work. And I feel like Marvel understands that, which is why like they focus on certain characters and drop other characters. But but I love Miles Morales. I love Kamala Khan as as Miss Marvel. So it just it comes down to how you how you do it. But anyway, not the point. The point is that the the spider family and the spider verse allows for many avenues of uh, experimentation to see what your audience latches onto. I mean, I haven't read any Silk comics, but I hear great things about Silk. I know a lot of people love Spider Man twenty ninety nine. Spider Gwen, by the way, his comics are amazing. Yeah, I've, I've I've heard that. I need to I need to actually read some of that. And again, they've managed to give a spider-man to everybody without it feeling forced or clunky or i don't want to use this word but there's no better word i can think of right now for a token you know these are fully fledged real characters that you know the only thing they have in common are their abilities everything else to them so they don't what, feel copy paste so what probably helps spider-man has been considered marvel's flagship character for some time uh, that felt like that might have changed to Iron Man, but with Iron Man basically taking over the zeitgeist in the MCU. I don't know what the current status, as far as Marvel is concerned, is. But when a character like that is your flagship, he gets usually the best writers and the best artists and the best stories. Like, you look at DC and their flagship character is Superman. That hasn't changed. Ever. <laughs> and it almost feels like, in that regard, that... Um, DC tends to be very careful with Superman, in my experience. That's why we don't see like as many movies as you might otherwise think, which is funny because most of the movies are are bad, and so it's too bad. But and but since Superman is supposed to be an absolute paragon of what the superhero is, he is literally the ultimate example of a superhero. I feel like you've got a lot more quote unquote riding on him when you're writing stories with him, whereas Spider Man is built from the ground up to be. For lack of a better term, messy. And that's part of what I love about him, what I feel like a lot of people love about him. So, No, and I'll kind of, I think we'll end this with what I think is a really interesting story. So I 
recently got, you know, a big old Marvel t-shirt with all the retro, you know, character designs on it. Mm-hmm. And my daughter comes up and she points them individually and she's identified Spider-Man. Like, she knows who Spider-Man is. So we turned on Disney Plus tonight and she sees the Spider-Man, you know, 90s cartoon and mm-hmm. demands to watch that. And is totally engaged with the very first episode of Spider-Man. It's like, th- there's some deep hooks with Spider-Man that I don't fully understand that my, you know, toddler's like, okay, this guy's cool. I like him. Maybe it's a color thing. Maybe it's just that striking red and blue. I mean, Superman has the same thing. So there's probably there's probably an argument to be made about color theory that I don't know anything about that, but I wouldn't be surprised if that one exists. There's also something that might be said about that most people are afraid of spiders, and the fact that Spider-Man takes a symbol or takes something that is so inherently fearful on most people and makes it not only not fearful but cool and friendly. I mean, he is your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, like. Like, Batman does the same thing or uses a symbol of fear, but Batman's all about intimidation and off-puttingness, whereas Spider-Man's air is all about, I'm your friend. You can, you can like, hug me. We can be cool. Like, he's, he's the superhero I feel like you want to be, one where everyone that matters, you know, likes you and that you – and that's actually what makes the whole J. Jonah Jameson thing even more interesting because there's that kind of battle of, like, yeah. well, of course people who've experienced Spider-Man love him, but anyway – Unless, you know, we're talking Man-Spider. No one likes Man-Spider. I like Man-Spider, but most people seem to hate Man-Spider. I think Man-Spider is really good as a storyline because it's basically adding in a uh, Jekyll and Hyde thing but colored with Spider-Man, and I love the Jekyll and Hyde story. So, anyway. All right, you want to take us out? Sure. I want to conclude and say that I have not even touched the surface of everything I I adore about this character. Uh, I want to say that I do think – I'm going to get on my soapbox here – that the whole um, putting out a new version of the like the PlayStation 4 game that changed the design to look more like Tom Holland bugs me a little bit. Don't get me wrong, I actually like Tom Holland as Spider-Man, but as his own Spider-Man, like I saw the one that was in that game as a great example of Peter, essentially Peter B. Parker, and I liked his design so much that it kind of bugged me when they changed him. But anyway, that's my little my little side soapbox. That game is amazing, and it was one of my favorite things to happen when it, in the year. Is that this year or last year? I think it was last year. That was this year? Either way. Either way, I, I adore that game so much. So anyway, thank you for listening. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, do all the other buzzwords that, that matter. I know I sound... Uh, I don't know, flighty or like dismissive when I say this, but it's only because I know that shilling essentially is uncomfortable for me. And it is important to do because it is literally how our podcast grows. And I've watched it grow and it's grown more than I ever thought it would grow. And that is, I'm so excited and that's awesome. So I will, I will bear it and, and say the thing I need to say. So point is, please share it if, if you like this, because the more people see it, the more we can do. All right, and the best way to share it is by following us and listening to us on these following sites, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Pocket Cast, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. You want to help us more? Let us know what podcast sites we're not on that you want to see us on so we can get on there. And as always, this has been Axel Wright and Lord Commander Ulrich. Be sure to tune in next time, and as always, stay honorable.